welcome, welcome. What is up? How's it going? Uh, welcome to uh, A. Thompson and Other Disappointments, if it's your first time uh, catching up with me, if you've not listened to this podcast before. Um, uh, this is a special emergency episode off the back of the trust speech this afternoon. Um, if, if it's your first time tuning in, it's a twice weekly or, you know, sometimes three times uh, if it's a big thing like this feels. Uh, mostly political or social commentary style podcast with, with a peppering of doom lols, you know, a smidgen of gallows humour often thrown in. Uh, you know, we often we talk about the cost of living shit show, uh, the mortgage crisis shit show, the fucking Brexit shit show, and we pull it apart here on this lovably shit show. Uh, and you are welcome. Pull up a chair. Uh, so... Liz Truss, her first maiden speech. Uh, clearly, it's been a you know it's been it's been a shit start for her. Um, proper bad first few weeks in the new job. Do we need to go over her achievements so far? She killed off the queen, crashed the pound, the economy's fucked. Like we we know this, right? It doesn't feel like it's going to get much better for her either, though. You know. You know when somebody new joins your team and they, you know, it's it's a hard start for them. They're not really settling in. And actually the thought that goes through your head is like, it's not even really about how bad you fucked up. It's it's about like, it would it would take so much hard work for you now to turn this around. <laughs> like the mistakes were bad. I'm not going to lie. The mistakes were bad. But now for you to just get in people's good books and convince them that you're actually not a complete fucking idiot that oh it's it's kind of cringy i'm gonna be it's like that sort of vibe doesn't feel like there's much joy on the horizon for her or for any of us really to be honest um but you know it, like it makes it a little bit less stingy for the rest of us the knowledge that it's going to be career death for her pretty soon you know she's she's gonna be like the guy who was james bond for one movie you know like you mean that that guy? Like reach the pinnacle, reach the peak, and then immediate sacking. She's gonna be like um like one of those trashy adverts you see at the bottom of BuzzFeed articles. You know, like why doesn't Hollywood cast Brendan Fraser anymore? You know, you're like, oh yeah, whatever happened to that bitch? She was prime minister for a bit. What happened to that? And I still feel I feel a bit sorry for her in a weird way. You know, like, she's so ignorant to it. You know, up there, smiling, having a good time, coming on stage to M people, you know, moving on up, moving on up. Yeah, it's probably a hit from when she was at college or whatever. And, you know, she's got hair and makeup and, you know, press advisors and junior aides and... Daily Express and, you know, whoever else telling her that she's amazing. You go get it, Lizzie. This is your time. You know, lights come on. Please welcome to the stage your Prime Minister, Liz Truss. And, you know, the crowd goes wild. She's like, like, she lives in a bubble to some extent. Like, so does, does she even know how bad things are? Like, most of us who spend any measurable time on the Internet... To some extent, we live in an echo chamber. I accept that. But at least it's only when we're online. <laughs> Liz Truss just exists in it, you know? Surrounds herself with people who tell her what she wants to hear. You know? So I don't think she realises how fucked she is at all. She seems too happy. I don't know, like... It Ignorance is bliss, I guess. <laughs> I reckon she's got advisors around her, like, you know, secretly over, over off, <laughs> over off in the corner, like talking amongst themselves, water cooler chat amongst the advisors. And they're like, oh, God, you know, she's going to walk out there. Music, lights, smiling. And, and yet the whole theatre knows she's doomed. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's like if somebody's about to get married and they're super happy and elated, but like you 
off in like you know the stag's party like you all know that something terrible has happened he fucked like four strippers and one of them's got the clap or so like and this you know beautiful bride is like this is the happiest day of my life <laughs> and you're all like talking amongst each other like oh god this is so like it's cringy it's awkward it's it you know shatter your molars cringe fest it's it's a bit like that you know she's so happy up there <laughs> Like, and I'm not exaggerating, by the way. Like, there's quotes on the news this morning. You know, a paper review on Sky, I caught, where they were saying that Labour's conference last week was, you know, jubilant, was, I think, the word they were using. Which, you know, 30-point lead, right? So, go figure. Uh, but, you know, Labour are the only people popping champagne corks right now, while mortgages double. <laughs> They're the only people celebrating. Uh, well, apart from hedge fund guys. But, uh, I mean, you think hedge fund guys shorting the pound were partying? No one is partying harder than Rainer and Starmer while the country burns. <laughs> it's, just not, it's like a good day. This is a great... You know, they probably walk past people in the street collapsing into sobs, into their eviction notices, terrified of what's happening to their pension. <laughs> and Rainer and Starmer probably walk past them like, this is the fucking best year ever. <laughs> And I get it. Like, I'm not criticising, by the way. Like, I'm just saying. While Liz Truss's Conservative Party circles the drain and they continue to oversee the biggest drop in living standards and geopolitical relevance in a century or whatever it is, you know, I'm just saying Labour are probably getting the wine and cheese in. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. They're probably in Labour HQ getting ambushed by three Gs of gack. That's, I'm just saying, probably that's what's happening. And I'm fine with it. So yeah, uh, on, the, on this paper review, they were saying the atmosphere was a stark contrast to the Labour one uh, last week. Like Starmer's having a ball. <laughs> but apparently at the Tory one, it's Tories sitting around, like, you know, sadly drinking champagne, you know, sitting around begrudgingly accepting that they're on their way out, you know, preparing for opposition. Like this was, the, there was a guy on the paper review, I, f I forget his fucking name now, but he was saying, you know, it, is it like this is one last hurrah? before they get kicked out of power. Like, they know what's coming. Even if Liz Truss doesn't, even if, if, if Truss walks on stage like, moving on up, <laughs> while the polls fucking tank. I'm moving up. Are you? Are you sure? <laughs> you know, the rest of her party understand where they are at in, in the electoral cycle. Um, and you know what? Good riddance. Fuck them. Uh... But you know what I was saying? Like, I, I was on Davey Moo's uh, podcast. He does a, a podcast. It's called Politically Enraged. Um, go and check it out. He, he interviews loads of interesting people. And frankly, he's just he's just more earnest and articulate than I can ever hope to be on, on my podcast. So if you enjoy it, like, messy, inarticulate, if inarticulate is even a fucking word, uh, you know, rant fest, it's fine. You know, I'm very happy to have you here. But if if you're tuning in hoping that you're going to get some sort of, you know, insightful, uh, uh, earnest and super eloquent co commentary, maybe Davey's more your guy. I don't know. He's also less sweary. I do tend to drop the F-bomb here and there. But anyway, I was on his podcast last night and I was saying to him, like, I kind of hope Labour don't win a huge majority. Because it worries me that like, then they'll rest on their laurels, you know? I know that sounds weird. Like, like I want a Labour-led government, but I just have this horrible feeling in the pit of my stomach that if they win, like, 80 seats or 100 seats or 120, you know... The other day, somebody was saying the Tories, if, if an election was called tomorrow, they would have three seats left. Like, how fucking wild is that? And I think if, if Labour crushed the Conservative Party to that extent, then I, I think there's a strong chance they'll be like, oh, cool. Look, everyone signed up to our mandate. And as we didn't specifically say, 
proportional representation in the manifesto. And because we quite like having all the power to ourselves, then thanks for the votes, everyone, but also go fuck yourselves. Like, it feels like there might be a risk of that, you know? Like, the example I told Davey last night was like, I said it's a bit like when you get together with someone and their last partner, their, like, ex-boyfriend, was a real charmless sack of shit. Just a hugely indebted, rude, alcoholic, you know, gambler. Just a piece of shit that spent your rent money on a piss-up in Blackpool. You know, just a awful human being. That's the ex-boyfriend. Then you come in. You t- you get together with this person and you're you're fucking golden boy. Like you don't have to worry about all you have to do is not do one one of those bad things. And already you're a step up. You're an improvement. And it just worries me, as I was saying to Davey last night, um, that if they did get in with like a hundred seat majority, would they feel the need? Like, could they operate just on the basis of like, well, we're not the Tories, so it'd be way worse with them. Like that worries me. I just think it'd be better if if they were working with other parties, right? Tactical voting, proportional representation, or a progressive alliance, or, you know, one of these models. I just, I would feel more relaxed about that. Because, and it, like, this isn't a, you know, criticism of Keir Starmer. I think this is just on it, like anyone, anyone that was leading the Labour Party at this stage with these polls, it would just take a serious amount of character, I think, for someone like Keir Starmer to go, yeah, we we got all these votes. We regained the Red Wall. We even won fucking Windsor and Maidenhead <laughs> and the Shires and parts of Devon that have never voted Labour before. And now we've got them. And then for him to go, but it's. It's not because of our vision, marketing and charisma, and, and uh, that they were amazing or that I'm amazing. It's just that the Tories were really bad, you know, and because it's because it's not necessarily that they love Labour or our vision or our policies. Maybe we have a responsibility to think outside the box here and bring the other smaller parties in, bring in proportional representation, and that should establish a parliamentary framework that will, in theory, forevermore exclude the Tories from affecting the kind of sociopathic, donor fueled awfulness they've been able to for the last decade. You know, for him to, to have that attitude, to take a step back from the ego of, look what I fucking did, I've won us 100 seats. For him to take a step back from that and instead go, actually, it's, you know, maybe I have a responsibility. That would take a huge, like, a really selfless human being beyond the parameters that I think most of us exist in. Like, is that fair? I feel like I would love him to be like that, but I also don't, like, I can't criticise him too much if he's not like that. But yeah. Basically, being being the crestfallen fucking agent of cynicism that I am, I am fully expecting Keir Starmer <laughs> to be like, yeah, we're in now and actually love this power thing. <laughs> Bloody love it. We, we were in opposition for a while. Now it's our turn to do whatever the fuck we like. In fact, you, do you know what, lads? Do you know what? Maybe I quite fancy some new wallpaper. Like, I'm sort of... My expectations are so through the floor at this stage that if he was like that, I'd be like, yeah, well... Yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um. Anyway, Truss's speech. Obviously, you know, she's sensing this danger of proportional representation. And, uh, you know, of electoral reform. Um, she referred to the SNP, uh, Lib Dems, Labour, uh, as the, what was it, the, the No Growth Coalition. Um. Which, look, I'm right. I am a fan of wordsmithery. I am. Uh, you know, regular listeners will know I'm, you know, I'm something of a word nerd. I'm a, I'm a lover of language. Um, I can respect whoever the focus group and, you know, political communications agency were that, that, that thought that up. The No Growth Coalition. You know, because it's like No Grow Co, right? Phonetically, it sort of works. 
it is just a shame that it fails on every other discernible metric. Like it's it's fucking stupid. Like it's it's like it's wordplay portraying a political attack or something, but very badly. It's it's phonetics pretending to be clever. <laughs> it's phonetics pretending to be a clever Tory jab. But it's like you can either be clever or stupid. Those are your options, right? You can be clever or you can be stupid. There's not really any in between. Like you could be clever like the famous, um, what was it? Like Labour isn't working billboards in the 80s. I think it was the 80s. Like that is clever. You know, wordplay. The double entendre of, of Labour. And then the double, double entendre of saying like, you know, Labour isn't working as a political entity. It's there, it or they are not working. But and... Like, as a means of describing the unemployed working classes, they are also not working. Like, that was clever. That's clever. Then you have stupid, which is this shit. <laughs> but worse than that is when you have a stupid thing that someone is, like, presenting as clever, you know? No, grow, co But, it, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, the no growth coalition... The snappy phonetics, the no growth, fine. But the no growth part, like Starmer's fucking mantra was like growth, growth, growth in in one of his speeches. He did a video about it. This is like in July going into August, I think. Growth, growth, growth in his speech, in his videos. And she's just pinched it. You know, she's just taken like the, the three times repetition of it. Like, I'll say growth three times, you know, really nail it home. Oh, fucking genius, Liz. And I know, look, it's it's lazy and it's shit. And look, for Starmer, it was lazy and shit. I'm sure they could have thought up something else. But maybe there's a reason. Maybe focus groups tell you that, you know, education, education, education. Um, or location, location, location. Like, there's a reason why, the you know, it's the power of three, right? Bang, 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 when you knock on a door. Same thing. So maybe, you know, maybe fuck me. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But... It is, like, it feels lazy and shit. But it's also lazy and shit for her to just, like, pinch it off him. Like, I don't believe that she doesn't know that he already said growth, growth, growth. Or at least one of her advisors, like her marketing people, PR people, would have gone, hang on a second, like, didn't... Didn't Starmer say that? Like, you know? So it's lazy and it's shit for her to pinch it, or it's lazy and, her, and shit of her to not research that he'd already said it. So, you know... But then to present the idea as your own, right? So that's shittier and stupider. <laughs> Again. <laughs> like, you think people aren't going to go, like, hang on, Starmer said that already, like, in, in July. He's, like, people are going to remember. And then you say the same thing a couple of months down the line, right? It's like, it's almost not plagiarism. Like, it's gone, It's it started at plagiarism and it went through the looking glass to fucking idiocy. Like, that's... That's where this is. And then not only do you take it from him and pass it off as your own, but then <laughs> the temerity to go like, Keir Starmer doesn't have a plan for growth. <laughs> but I do. Like, you wit, you witless fucking cretin, Lizzie. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Who is advising you? You take, you take the guy's thing, his mantra, about growth where he's been talking about growth, present it as your own, and then criticise him and say, oh, he doesn't have a plan for growth. He's not interested in growth. Like, what the fuck? Like, am I going insane, or is that the bottom-of-the-barrel level of cretiny? Like, award-winning idiocy. Six-year-old children learn that you can't take someone else's work, say it's your own, and then try to get them in trouble for not having any. Six-year-olds would know that. Like, the teacher would go, like... The teacher would walk over and go, like... Uh, well, um, no, no, PT. Like, you know, little Alex here drew the robot. And then I saw you take it off him. No, well, but, but uh, like, I, I did this, Mrs. Taylor. And Alex didn't do one, because Alex can't draw robots. Right, right, PT, but... But Alex did draw the robot. You just took it off him and then started telling everyone that it was yours. Um, uh... Petey, I've, I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. Yes? Were, were your parents... cousins? Anyway, let's move on.
I mean, re- like, look, before we move on, like, how, how can a 47-year-old woman at the top of her game stand there like, yeah, I've got a growth plan and Labour don't? You know? How, like, it, uh, it doesn't make any fucking sense, does it? Like, I just want to run on the stage, like, don't they? Do they not? They don't have a plan. Why not? Did you take it out of their school bag? You weird fucking dead-eyed donor's doll. And look, apart from anything else, right, who the fuck believes, honestly, here's, here's a question for you. Who the fuck believes she has a plan for anything? Who the fuck? Honestly, do you believe, dear listeners, that she or the Conservative Party or any of the advisors or anyone in CCHQ or any of the, like, whatever, whatever arm of the Conservative Party you are most familiar with, do you believe that any of them have a, a growth plan, really. I mean, they went ahead with tax cuts with no fucking substance to it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that was my understanding, right? Was that they didn't provide accounting and they stopped the Office of Budget Responsibility from like publishing their assessment, which spooked the markets. <laughs> so they didn't have a plan then, right? It was all like, well, you know, the markets will do what the markets will do. They didn't have a plan with Brexit. Do you remember that shit? Faisal Islam, who at that point I think was working at Channel 4 News, he was asking them after the referendum result, you know, it swung towards us leaving. He was like, so, you know, what's what's the plan? Oh, um, well, there, you know, there's no, there's no plan at the moment. There's no plan. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we'll just figure it out. Like, he was he was dumbfounded, flabbergasted. He was just like, nobody has a plan how to fucking do this. They've been campaigning for it for like a decade. Nobody has a fucking plan. You know, what happens if a pandemic hits? Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, it's never going to happen. We disbanded the pandemic response unit last year. No plans. Oh, but now, now there's a cost of living crisis and soaring energy bills and your mortgage is about to double, and the pound has tanked, and your kid's flat is going to get repossessed. Now it's like, oh, trust us, though. <laughs> We've got a plan. Labour don't. Oh, God, no, no. But we have totally got a plan. Yeah, just just trust us. Trust us leveraging off the foundations of our many, many successful planning initiatives from before. <laughs> Trust us, we've got a plan. Oh, fucking really? <laughs> well, if anyone needs me, I'll be right here on the edge of my seat. I'm sure your plan will be a fucking doozy. And this is the thing, right? Going off on a right rant here. But this is the thing, right? They have, they have no credibility. That's, I mean, that's, I don't even think that's me being like, you know, partisan or biased or, you know... I mean, yes, I sit on the left of politics, but come on. If you look at this, just look at it. The substance of it, the, the track record. You know, they, they're not the party of law and order because they break international and domestic laws. They're not the party of fiscal responsibility because they've horse-fucked the economy. What do they have after those two pillars of conservatism have left the building? What? Like, what is, what is left? I mean, what is the Conservative Party now? It's like they've, I don't know, like, like once those sort of, you know, core pillars of Conservative have, have left, uh, they've just reduced themselves. Like, the only thing that's left is, is fucking, you know, caricature and cliche. Like, they don't, they don't have any modern, credible leaders. No one to take them into the 21st century. So they just put out poor imitations of their glory days in like in the hot seat. So with May, it was Thatcher. Do you remember that shit? Like pictures of Thatcher on the front cover of the mail. Um, sorry, pictures of May on the front cover of the mail with like, you know, Iron Lady 2.0 or whatever it was. With Johnson, it was Churchill. And now with Truss, we're back to the Thatcher quotes, right? <laughs> the trickle down shit. The bruising, sociopathic, capitalist ultra, you know? And, and then all of the, like, the, the lady is not for turning shit. 
It's just, you know, cliche and caricature. That's all they have left now that the core pillars of conservatism have left the building. And then you pard, uh, like pan down to the, the, the party. So away from the leadership, just to the party, you know, and then it's all about, you know, again, no conservative like pillars and principles. Then you it's more cliche, more character. It's like the war, identity, flags, whether you're wearing a poppy or not, because there's no actual ideas or substance to anything. There's no leader that can take them into the 21st century. There's no fiscal responsibility. There's no party of law and order. It's just statues and proms and Britishness and symbols and, you know, and occasionally some good old racism. <laughs> like, which, like, if, if we're honest, yes, probably is the third pillar, which is still standing. You'll be relieved to know. There is at least one pillar of conservatism that is still there that we can always rely on. And that's some good old racism. And it's nice. I'm happy for them. It's nice that they have that because you should stick to what you're good at. And they are really, really good at racism. Um, say what you like about Tories. I mean, you know, God knows many of us do. Uh, hashtag Tories fuck livestock. Uh, but they are really good racists. They're excellent at that. They are God tier. And so... And so, it, like, it makes sense that once you chuck the other stuff out the window, right, uh, that all you would be left with is the... Oh, fuck, I forgot that, like, they're also the party most aligned with royalty, right? But they then, they lied to the Queen <laughs> to, to prorogue Parliament. So they fucked that up too. So, they, you know, the royalty sort of alignment is out the window also. Anyway, look, it makes sense that once, once you torch all these attributes that we would normally associate with conservatism, all you are left with is the tacky stuff, right? The symbolism, the poppies, the flags, the identity, and yes, the racism, which I, it, I suppose that is why we're seeing shit like, you know, Suella Braverman uh, belching out nonsense about how it's her dream to see the flights to Rwanda take off, because that is still a core component of, you know, like... We like to tell ourselves that racism is kind of done and dusted. It's all out the window and that we've, you know, we've fixed all that and we're a very egalitarian society and all, all the rest of it. But actually, in terms of the conservative vote, a lot of them, I think, if you if you ask your conservative friends, your Tory voting mates or relatives, uh, if they support the Rwanda policy, there's a lot of fucking racism out there. So if they want to get that person on side and sort of pay less attention to their mortgage doubling... And like, it's, you know, you can see why they're leaning on that remaining pillar of conservatism. And it was her saying that there was a staged coup against Truss. So again, we're getting into this sort of, you know, hyper overcooked rhetoric, this overdramatic, super theatrical culture war stuff, because they're devoid of vision and leadership and all the other shit that I said. They've got like, and the, the fiscal responsibility is gone and the tough on crime is gone. So all they're left with is this sort of hyperbolic, uh, overcooked rhetoric. And that's why you get this, like, there was a staged coup against Truss, said Suella Braverman. You know, over the, over the 45p tax rate. Which is by any stretch, utterly fucking ludicrous. Uh, that this was some sort of staged coup. I mean, I, I talked a bit about this this morning on TikTok. Like a coup is sort of, you know, overthrowing a government. <laughs> it's stepping outside the bounds of the democratic framework is how I would probably define it. It's fucking off democracy because you and your evil, what, like plotters think you can do a better job. It's, it's that sort of thing it's what we hope happens to putin someone overthrows him that would be described as a coup it's what we've observed in in other countries when some warlord has been you know ruling with an iron fist and then some people rise up and get rid of him and that's a coup there was a coup in the western african country of blah 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 you know it's basically overthrowing right removing people from power what happened here sue bless your heart 
bless your cold, evil, mean-spirited heart, was your girl Lizzie dreamt up a plan to make rich people richer. And she didn't cost it properly, and she wouldn't let other people cost it for her. Then she couldn't sell it to her own MPs in a way that put their minds at ease. So they sort of shrugged and went, well, I mean, this is fucking stupid. Then, like... Then the whole shit blew up in her face. She had to wind it back. She looked like a massive dick. That is what happened here. Just that. Precisely that. Not a coup. Not the overthrow of a government. There's no circumvention of democratic processes here. <laughs> like, I mean, if if you want to go searching for, for affronts to democracy... You know, let's let's pluck this little number out from the jukebox. You're going to fucking love it, Sue. It's a real banger. Here he goes. Right, it's going to start now. Here's the, here's the words. Liz Truss inherited an 80-seat majority that was elected on a specific manifesto, which she has since abandoned, and is now using the same government elected on that manifesto that she's abandoned. She's using that to roll out radical economy fucking policies that she has absolutely fuck all mandate for how how's that how's that for a you know circumvention of the democratic process you fucking idiot of course we all know by now i'm sure that uh, greenpeace got in to the lecture hall and they heckled liz truss mid-speech uh that was fun uh, I mean, look, I'm a stand-up comedian, uh, or, or I was, you know, before my kids shat on my dreams. Uh, so I'm I'm here for a good heckle. But yeah, it didn't, it didn't seem like Truss was into it, did it? Uh, she was literally like, um, you know, the, <laughs> I think it was two two women held up a sign, started shouting at her. She was like, "Can we can we get them out, please?" Like fucking Caesar <laughs> or some shit. They're like, no one voted for this, shouting at her. And she's on some, like, you know, send them to the lions shit. Proper, you know, slightly disturbed, slightly interrupted Roman emperor kind of style, you know. Tell tell Baron Cleverly to prepare the head spikes. It was like, you know, felt regal, I guess, for want of a better word. I mean, isn't... Right... Isn't heckling illegal now, anyway? Like, it's... For their sake, it's lucky that they didn't shout, You're a sick old man, Andrew! Well, they would have really been in some shit. Um, I'll tell you what, right. Here's, here's what was interesting about the speech also, right. She talked a bit about how she felt when her brothers... Like, they went on a plane when she was young. Her brothers were given pilot's caps by the crew or something on a plane and she was given like an air hostess badge or something so very gender you know stereotypy and she she talked about how you know she knows how that feels to be i guess stereotyped um and she said she knows how it feels to have been overlooked for jobs and how she knows the struggle of balancing a career with raising two kids and so on and, and like it it sounds kind of empathetic right but it falls right into this tory trap of either quite obvious trauma or crushing sociopathy, right? Trauma or sociopathy is what this is, right? Because you would expect, you would hope that if someone had experienced sexism, like in the workplace, or, or when you're a kid in a sort of, you know, perceived workplace, like you're going to be a pilot, you're going to be an air hostess or, you know, and if they had felt the challenges of, you know, balancing a career while raising two kids, you would think or you would hope that they would grow up and be like, OK, well, I'm going to champion greater opportunities for women in the workplace. Uh, you know, that's what I'm about because I've been through that and I don't want anyone else to go through. Like that's that is a healthy way to look at it. Like she's in a position now where she could up the childcare hours that the government subsidize, you know, to something similar to Germany, where they understand that women going back to work is better for the women. You know, it, like, I mean, some mums don't want to go straight back to work. 
some mums adore the idea of staying at home with their baby for three years and that's great but a lot of mums do want to go back to work and put their kid into childcare and then just pick them up at five or you know whatever they just want a childcare bill that isn't going to bankrupt them or make going back to work financially pointless you know and trust is in a position now where she can help those people not have to go through the same shit that she says she's gone through and you know she's she says or, or conveys like like it was so challenging or negative is the implication the shit that she went through that it's worth mentioning in a pm speech at conference and a conference at conference but but yet she doesn't help them that's what gets me it's like i know how hard this is or was for me i know how i know what it's like to struggle oh okay so you're gonna help us no <laughs> She knows and understands what it's like. I felt the struggle, the frustration, perhaps even the depression, guys. I get it. I get it. So could you maybe start some sort of initiative where it's, you know, socialized chocolate? No, 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 no. And it's true across the board, right? They always say this stuff. They fucking love it. Like... It, it doesn't have to be a woman talking about childcare or feminism or anything. Like, it could be a guy, you know, someone like David Cameron or Boris Johnson. Maybe not Boris Johnson. I don't know. But it could be a, you could absolutely imagine a man standing up there saying, like, I understand how it feels to work hard, to try to save money and get on the ladder. You know, people just want to own their own home. And I know that. Because when I was a young man, I worked two jobs. I didn't go out for nine years. I had no holidays and I sold my first child. And it wasn't easy, <laughs> but we got through it. So I get it. Someone puts up their hand like, oh, okay, so, so you get that it's hard. So you're gonna build more houses, you know, so people don't have to go through. No, 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 I just, just wanted to tell you how hard and character building my life was. Like it was a you know sort of grueling TV movie about uh, triumph over adversity. I, you know, I think that's what we were all talking about, wasn't it? No, no we were we were we were talking about the housing crisis and you know and the rent trap and how hard it is for Generation Z, for every generation. How hard it is. Like, what 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 can we do? Oh well, it was, I mean, we could talk about how hard I worked and how far I've come because I mean that's. That's really a funner story from my side. I mean, it's quite inspiring, actually. <laughs> Wait till you hear how hard I worked, how grueling my life was, and now, now look at me. I, I really think you're going to like it. Like this whole sort of, you know, well, I had it hard, Aid, but somehow I managed. I lived in pure hell for nine years, doing nothing, working overtime, no holidays, no iPhone aid. I actually didn't eat at all for years. Nothing. I got by solely on the nourishment of the salt in my tears aid, and somehow I managed. So therefore you too must also live awfully. Like that is trauma. People need to get some fucking help with that shit. You are traumatized. If that's you, if you say stuff like that, like, well, it wasn't easy in my day, but somehow we managed while your kids are sobbing because they can't get on the ladder and you're sat on a fucking 900,000 pound equity egg. Like, well, it wasn't easy in my day, but somehow I hugely benefited from a crushing lack of house building and cheap mortgages. Wasn't easy, but somehow I got through that. Like, it's not a normal thing to go through some hardship and then go, yeah, I, I hope my kids go through this also. Like, we should be trying to make society better. Not fucking celebrating how shit it is and condemning the next generation to it out of some, like, weird, warped desire to have people look at us like, wow, he is a really hard worker. Like, like is he? Was he? Or did he just have to go to work six and a half days a week because life was really shit then? Like, is that... So now he's like, well, you know, if life gets better for the next generation, that means that I was had in some way, you know? I think that's the psychology of it. Anyway, Truss's speech, obviously, look, she talked a lot about growth. 
She's obsessed with growth. And in so far as I can see it, like she can't really have growth unless she subscribes to one of two options. She can either rejoin the single market, which obviously we can all go fuck ourselves because that's that is not going to happen. Um, or she can tank living standards and employment rights, which I think is where all of this is heading. You'll be delighted to hear. Hashtag Binfluencers. Um, I mean, we know how she feels about shirkers and, you know, Britannia Unchained and and that leaked recording about how Brits need a bit more graft. You know, she looks at places like China and she's like, well, well you know, why not here? And of course, the answer to that is employment rights <laughs> and oppression. So it seems reasonable to conclude that if she doesn't want to rejoin the single market, but she does want growth, then she's going to have to force people to work more hours. And that will probably take the form of trashing your maternity leave, you know, and annual leave allowance or giving what, what's the latest thing? Companies of less than 500 employees are what free of regulation, wasn't it? I mean, this doesn't sound like a particularly well thought through idea for a policy. It doesn't sound like it's been what no regulations no no you're completely free none yeah you could just like i are you high really there's no regular how about the regulation that says i don't have to work with fucking razor blades in my feet yeah no that one too that's like <laughs> it's, you know if you have less than 500 employees then you are free from red tape and regulation you you have a state sanctioned right to taser employees if they take more than one shit break a day. Like that's where we're headed, to my mind, unless we join the single market. If she wants to increase productivity and growth, like how is it gonna be anything else? They honestly have that choice. Single market, you know, more closely aligned with the EU or they can seek to fucking emulate China. Which how fucked is that? Like, you know, it's going to be so wild when we look back on this period, leaving the EU, because, you know what, like we, we felt like it was this undemocratic, overarching Death Star. You know, people wanted more of a say. They didn't want bloody Turks coming here, taking their jobs and then getting to a point where no one wants to come here and do this fucking job because it's like China now. And they make you work 17 hour days with no leave. And they set you on fire if you take a coffee break. It's like, it's going to be like, Damon, Damon, did you just take a piss? Um, yeah, but I, I, I have a doctor's note because, um, because I, I have a, a bladder problem. Damon, what? Damon, nobody could get doctor's notes anymore. There's no such thing as GPs. Oh, I mean, um, I mean, I just, I just really needed to go. Just fucking flamethrower that motherfucker. You knew the rules when you signed up to this place. The rules are their own. There's no, no rules. And bonus, because you were the 500th employee, and now we're back down to 499. Fucking boom. The same people who were, like, hysterical. This has got really dark. I'm so sorry. Uh, the same people who were hysterical about people coming here, taking our jobs. <laughs> Give it five years, they're going to be like, please, will someone come here and do this job? Fucking anybody? Will anybody come here and do this? Oh, man. I don't want to do it. Please. I don't know, man. You know what was missing from the speech today? Like, there's a bunch of stuff you can play drinking games with, right? I think Ian Dunn references this uh, quite a bit when he's covering speeches and doing write-ups of parliamentary debates and stuff. And, you know, if they say a, a soundbite phrase, uh, it's like, drink, you know. So here's some of the things that she said. She said, you know, global crisis, I was sort of expecting. Virtue signalling was a little bit more cultural than perhaps I had imagined. Um, uh, going for growth. Uh, one thing she didn't mention was donors. Which is weird, right? Because donors dictate so much <laughs> of what they do. You know, she talked a bit about working hard and people who just want to get on and growth and employment and you know, labor don't understand aspiration, blah, blah. And yet no mention 
of doing whatever the fuck donors tell her to do. Very odd. Considering they're, you know, pursuing fracking and the public don't want that. And there's no scientific case for it. Uh, well, you know, while there is a scientific case for solar panels, um, but they avoid those. I don't know, it's just, it's just weird, isn't it? Fracking is back on the agenda. Fracking is legal again, despite it being banned in 2019 by Andrea Leadsom. And it being said at the time, it would be banned until new evidence could be made available, showing that it was super safe and that things had changed. And as far as I know, <laughs> no new information has been made available. Fucking dick one has changed. And yet now... Andrea Leadsom back in interviews like, yeah, actually, actually, in retrospect, miraculously, I think fracking is amazing now. Uh, it's just a miracle. I've just decided this completely polar opposite stance. Like, I wonder why that is. I mean, it is a total fucking mystery, right? Will it solve the energy crisis? No. Do scientists think it will resolve anything? Also, no. <laughs> Is it a hit with voters when you drill their fucking garden up? Sing it. Sing it with me now. No, 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 no. It's just all no's. A bag of no's. And yet, we're pleased to announce a new fracking revolution. Fucking really? So they don't mention... They don't mention donors. And yet donors are the people that make the decisions. Like, that is weird, isn't it? Or am I losing my mind? Like, I feel like if you really want to understand what the Conservative Party or what a leader of the Conservative Party are actually all about, you should just skip the PM's conference speech because that's just going to be a load of stuff about hard work, getting on, aspiration, the odd bit of attacking Labour and blah, blah, blah. If you actually want to see what they're about, you should read the Queen's speech and read the detail of the bills that they put across the table and look at what kind of rights they're trying to take away and look at the weird shit that could definitely have come from a lobbying firm and shadily funded think tank and just sit back and go, ah, oh, that's weird. <laughs> I thought they were governing for me, but uh, apparently not. I mean, I did wonder recently, I did wonder, is there a way you know, like Tories are all about the marketing, right? Slick marketing. Rishi was a big sucker for like, you know, his slick social output. Uh, Liz Truss loves a fucking like Instagram selfie, right? They're all about their marketing. Get Brexit done, all of that shit. And I wonder, maybe the solution to our problems when there is a conservative government, which might not be for much longer, fucking boomtown, um, but even when there are conservative governments, I think the approach we need to take is to remarket or reframe, repackage their £80,000 a year salary as a donation. <laughs> it should be like their payslip should come to them in a sort of like a lo lobbying like envelope or something. You know, if you could just convince them to sort of interpret their salary as a you know, like we're donors. We are the donors that are donating £80,000 to you for you to serve our interests <laughs> over these other guys who are paying your salary. And these other guys who are paying your salary are like fracking firms or like, and they've just given you £10,000. Like it's actually quite small amounts that they give them. You would think for like billion dollar uh, fracking firms, it would be like, you know, 20 million. To, but it's not it's like 10 grand here 20 grand there to this guy or seven grand to this mp or this guy like a donation to this guy's office to fund something around but if we could convince them that those sort of relatively paltry amounts were just the salary and the 80 grand from us lot was the donation to further our interests make it all shady as well employ some guy just to go and give them a you know secret handshake and shit Maybe that's that's the fucking move, isn't it? Why didn't I think of this before?
I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. That's a good note to leave this on. Guys, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, uh, I do two, usually a week, although this was a, an extra special emergency one following the Liz Truss uh, conference speech. Um, I do a solo one, usually out on a Wednesday, and a guested one out on a Friday. They go out to Patreon subscribers first. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, i.e. if you've enjoyed two, three, four episodes of it, um, all I'd ask is maybe have a look at the, the Patreon. The cheapest thing on there is three quid a month, which is literally just enough to buy me a beer from Tesco, which I will inevitably drink while recording. Um, the second one is five pounds a month, which is cool. That gets you access to literally everything on there. We've got a Discord channel where we talk shit about Tories. Uh, we've got uh, the early like first look at the podcast. We've got an in-person meetup taking place on Thursday the 27th of October in London. So if you're in London on Thursday the 27th of October and you want to meet up, get pissed and talk shit about Tories, that Patreon meeting is happening. Um, if you're not in a position to support the podcast through Patreon, that's fine. Everyone's gas bills are going up. Mortgages are doubling. It's a crazy fucking time. All I'd ask is that if you are enjoying it, just click the little share button, like the upwards arrow, on the episodes just click it and then copy it and then pop it in like whatsapp just send it to a mate and just go oi you like politics um i've been listening to this guy he talks shit and he has guests on maybe you'll quite like it and it just helps the podcast to grow and i do want this thing to continue to grow i would love for it to be like my main thing um and that's why also probably worth a mention um i'm on the lookout for partners as it were like sponsors people who would like their name or their business name or whatever read at the beginning and the end of the podcasts um so so yeah if you run a small business or a large one or whatever and you want to get in on the ground level now as the podcast is beginning to take off it's really actually quite exciting time for it um then get in now we can talk about how that's going to work and listeners and viewer figures numbers all that shit and as it continues to grow as i anticipate it will do um then your brand exposure will continue to grow also and i'm thinking you know this will this will bleed out into like live events with you know your company logo name banner across the stage um myself and super tansky are looking to do a live event in i think we said in february um, so we're, we're starting to put the wheels in motion now to book the venue and get some acts involved. Um, so your banner could be across that also. Um, I don't know. Anyway, it's a really exciting time for the podcast. Thank you so much to everyone for uh, for tuning in and listening. Um, I will just do a quick readout of the names. That's the other thing is if you su subscribe and support uh, via Patreon, I will, of course, read out the credits at the end. And those credits right now, the supporters, the people that back this magical show are alex aaron alex oh we've got two alexes now sorry uh so alex s and alex t uh chris d uh ricardo silent t-rex oliver sarah paul and kerry thank you so much to each of you for continuing to support the show uh, it really does mean the world to me and it, it as i say it helps to continue to grow and i can invest in technology and uh, and look to rent venues and shit so um yeah dead psyched um, anyway, looking forward to meeting all of you on Thursday, the 27th of October. Uh, that's it for this one. I'll be back on Friday night with a pre-recorded interview with Dr. Julia Patterson. Until next time, ciao for now.